We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. today. Uh, last Sunday evening we had a special business meeting as per your constitution and bylaws and it was a vote to vote to retain us as pastors and we want to thank all Thank you so much. We want to we love you too. We love you too. Thank you so much. And that's what happened uh, Sunday night we had the vote and and Man, from all the rest of the week, we had so many phone calls and texts, uh, literally about over 200 phone calls and texts of people telling us they love us, they appreciate us, they support us, and uh, man, thank you so much for that great outpouring of love toward us today and all the texts and all the phone calls. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much, and we appreciate it. It's humbling, and we're very honored to be your pastors, and uh, we know that God's going to do great things in this church, and that's why that's why we believe God brought us here is to do great things, and um, and I believe God's going to do it and continue to do it. So thank you so much. But Miss Cindy and I are going to do something we've never done before. Um, we're continuing the mosaic, and today I'm tying it into the mosaic of motherhood because in in looking at and reflecting on the day, I realized that there are so many complex pieces of motherhood. Uh, today in our society, we have moms who are single. We have moms who are married. We have moms who are married and divorced. We have moms of blended families. Uh, we have grandma moms today. We have grandmoms who are taking care of their grandchildren, and they're the moms. And, and so it gets very, very complicated. And there are a lot of pieces to motherhood. And so today, uh, I want to talk with Miss Sandy because through the years, now this year on June the 3rd, we will celebrate 40 years of marriage. Can you believe that? 40 years. Oh, I forgot to get you a lot. Yes, um, and so 40 years of marriage, we were both just children uh, when we got married. And uh, not only through 40 years of marriage, but... We also dated for four and a half years prior to that. And so I've known this lady for almost 45 years. And I know of no one I respect higher than my wife. Uh, because I know the life that, that we've lived throughout the ministry. And I know how complicated it has been for her. And, um, and so today we want to share some things. And it will be a different presentation but my heart and my prayer is that it speaks to every mom that is here. Uh, as we were reflecting this week, we've never had a service to where a pastor's wife ever really just sat down and talked to the ladies in the church about being a mom. And so that's what today's going to be about. And so I have entitled it The Mosaic of Motherhood. And so in, in talking with Sandy this week, I, I wondered, when you were growing up as a young girl getting ready in life, uh, what were your perceived, I mean, the word, the key word, there would be perceived ideas of motherhood, and, and what were your plans on, on how to be a mom? Well, I come from a very large, large family. I am the 13th. And my mom just made it look so simple. 
She made it look so easy. I thought, I can't wait to be a mom, really. I wanted to, I wanted to have seven kids. My mom, she was very organized. She had the menu for the week. It was always on the refrigerator. There was a chore chart. Uh, everybody had their chores. I mean, her house just ran like clockwork. I mean, it was just amazing. And I thought, man, that's what I want to be. I want to be a mom. I just, I thought it was just going to be so easy. I couldn't wait to be a mom. That's what I thought motherhood was. And so it's simple. It's easy. She had all these kids. Made yeah. it look so easy. Yeah. And so having that perception, when you found out that you were expecting. I mean, what was the reality of being a mom, and, and how was the reality different from your perceived ideas of what it meant to be a mom? Well, my mom had always told, taught us that, you know, God has plans for us even before we were born. He formed us in our mother's wombs, and He had big plans for us. So I thought, man, this is just going to be a piece of cake, you know, it's going to be so easy, and it, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> I, 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 the whole nine months I was pregnant with both my children, I was so sick. I mean, it wasn't just morning sickness, it was all day, every day, 24-7 sickness. And I was working outside the home, um, so I had to present myself in a positive way in, in the workplace and, and be pregnant. And it was just very difficult, uh, gained a lot of weight, I got gestational diabetes, and I mean, you could tell from the my back of my head, I was pregnant. My ears were pregnant. I was just pregnant. <laughs> it was miserable. It was miserable. Um, but I knew the whole time that God had great plans for this baby, whatever, whichever one I was carrying, and I just could not wait to have them. And then the labor came, and oh my Jesus. <laughs> hey, listen, we went to a Lamaze class. Have you ever been to a Lamaze class? And they show you the video, and when they showed her the video, she's going, uh, we're stopping. I don't, I, want, to do I, I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to do it anymore. I don't think you can time out. <laughs> and so Tiffany was born, long labor, whatever, all the troubles that we had. And then I couldn't wait to bring her home. I just knew, you know, I had all the answers. I was going to do it just right. I, I knew exactly what I was doing. I wanted cloth diapers. I wanted, you know, her just to have everything natural and be, it was just going to be perfect. Just couldn't wait. So we brought her home and they told us in the hospital, they're only going to cry for two reasons. They're hungry or they're wet. And they said, you know, change their diapers and then you feed them. You feed them two ounces at a time. So, okay. So we bring her home. She cries. We change her diaper. Okay. She's good for about five minutes. She cries. So we feed her two ounces. She's good for about 30 minutes. She starts crying, we feed her another two ounces. This goes on till like 1 o'clock in the morning. And she's just crying and crying and crying and crying. And finally I say, I call my mom and I'm saying, she will stop crying. And she's just bring her home, bring her over to my house. So we drove to my mom's house, who lived really close. We got out of the car, Tiffany was screaming at the top of her lungs. 2 o'clock in the morning. We walk up the, the stairs to my mom's house. She opens the door. She reaches out and she touches, and I'm not exaggerating, she touches Tiffany. The moment she touches her, she quiets down. And she says, come on in, honey. Go lay down and go to sleep. And she took care of Tiffany that night. And Tiffany didn't cry anymore. And I was just like, seriously, I have failed already. First night. I have already failed at being a mother. I have, I have just beefed it up. And... No matter what stage my kids were at, I always felt like I was failing. No matter how hard you try, 
you figure, you think I'm failing, and I did. I struggled with guilt a lot of being a mom. Um, and I was, I felt guilty that I had fed her too much. My mom was like, well, how much did you feed her? And I said, oh my goodness, you know. I think but, it was 14 ounces. Yeah, we, we fed her a lot. <laughs> but, you know, we got, we got through that part, and, and we were pretty sure we were going to get through the, the, the toddler stage. And, of course, again, I was one of those moms that I knew exactly how my kids were going to do things. You know, my kids were going to be this way, and my kids were going to do that. And um, There were a lot of different philosophies going around when my kids were little, but I was going to be the parent that didn't put the stuff away. You know, my kids were going to learn not to touch things. And uh, God has such a sense of humor. <laughs> he really does. He gave us a child. Tiffany was so strong-willed. And we had this marble chess set that I had bought for him when we were dating in Mexico. And he said when I was carrying Tiffany, he's like, well, you better think about putting that away. And I was like, oh, no, not my child. She's going to learn not to touch that. <laughs> well, let's see. Probably before she was 18 months old, every piece had been broken multiple times and glued back. And we finally gave up and put it away. But I learned that no matter what you think your children are going to do or how they're going to do, they're very different. And you have to adapt your way of training to them. And that's what I had to learn along the way, that I had to, to mold the way I was thinking to her personality. Not every child is the same. And then I know when Tiffany was a baby, we were, she was the first. And, you know, we wanted her to do everything quick. I couldn't wait for her to walk, I couldn't wait for her to talk, I couldn't wait to get her potty trained. And so we really, I pushed and pushed and pushed to get her to grow up faster. And I, I, I regret that sometimes. I think maybe we push our kids too quickly, too much. We want to hurry up and get them to the next stage that we aren't enjoying the stage that they're in. Um, and I feel like sometimes, even more so today, moms are so pressured to do things in a certain way and, and get their kids to a certain place that they don't really enjoy the moment that they're in with their child. And before you know it, they're gone. They're grown and having kids of their own. And it, it goes by really, really quickly. There's so many philosophies that have changed since we were young parents. I mean, today you have helicopter moms and free range moms and everybody's doing it right. You know, and if you don't do it this way, then you're not doing it right. And I think part of the thing that we want every mom to hear today is, you know, every part that you're doing, no matter what part of the mosaic you're in in motherhood, it's going to look different for everybody. Because there's no two pieces that are the same. And we found out early in life that there are no two children that are the same. I mean, you can't take this, this mold and go, well, this is the way we did it with one. This is exactly the way it's going to happen with the second one. And I know she wanted a little girl who would play dolls and be girly. And did that happen? No. no. Tiff, Tiff wasn't the girly girl. She didn't like to play with dolls. But she had her own personality. She was very mature. Um, she would rather play with the adults than with the kids. You know, our friends would come over and kids her age, she could, she'd go, I don't want to play with the kids, I don't want to play with you. And she was very uh, mature, always. She came into this world grown. Um, but, you know, we, she became everything I wanted her to be. I wasn't disappointed in her, but it just wasn't what you have in your mind. The perceptions. Yes. So how many moms' perceptions were changed when reality happened? Raise your hands. Right, yeah. 
Perceptions, realities are two very, very different things. And so, as we're growing as a couple, we got married when she was 17, I was 18, okay? Very young. We had Tiffany when she was 19, I was 20, and we knew it all. I mean, just like all parents do, we know it all. And, uh, but yet when reality happened, and so, uh, you know, Proverbs 22, 6 says this, Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And we had really hidden that scripture in our hearts. And we're like, we're going to raise our kids the right way. But how did life change when we decided to go into the ministry and go follow God full time? We left our jobs, went to college, and I had a three-year-old daughter. It, it was even, you know, I thought it was difficult when we lived at home and had support around our families. But then when we went to college, we didn't know anybody. I mean, we knew no one. And I had to get a job and work because I had to get my PhD put heavy through because he had to go to college. And so I got a job and I had to take Tiffany to daycare. And that was really hard. I didn't have to do that before because when I was working, my mom would take care of her. So I felt okay about leaving her. But then here I was taking her to complete strangers, new town, new, didn't know anybody. And so it was very hard to not have a lot of guilt. I felt a lot of guilt when I would take her and leave her. And I felt like I was missing out on so much of her life. And then he was working and going to school. And so we didn't even see each other except on Saturdays. Because Sunday was work. It was church. So Saturdays we tried to cram everything we could into being a parent with her, and then uh, I started working at the bank, and the Lord really blessed me and opened up doors of opportunity for me, and I began to get promotions, and they wanted to send me to training, and I got my education, they paid for my degrees, but during all of that time, it took more time away from my children, from my, my daughter and my husband, and so I was, felt very guilty about that as well, um, and it took us a while before we were able to have another baby, and we didn't to wait seven years, but that was God's plan, and so we got uh, found out we were pregnant with Drake, and he was his senior year in, in yeah. college. And it's good so, time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> get out and I have no job. But uh, it was, you know, we had our times of trouble through that pregnancy as well. But you know, everything turned out well, and I remember having to go back to work when he was six weeks old. I had to take him to the daycare six weeks and it was just horrible for me I, and I, I would just I wouldn't even put my makeup on to go to church to work because I just cried all off before I would get to work and my babysitter she met well she would call me and she'd say oh he just turned over and she'd call me and she'd say oh he just sat up and it would just break my heart because I felt like I was missing so much of his first and and I know she did she thought she was helping me but I wish she would have just waited and let me find out when he did it at home. That would have been my first time. So again, I was feeling very guilty about all the things I was missing out on. Um, and you know, no matter what part of your life your children are in, I find that the enemy always wants you to feel guilty. That's not from God. That's that's the enemy making you feel guilty. You're doing the best you can, and you're pouring all you can into your children. And that's really all God wants you to do is just to. Live God before them, raise them up the way you feel like God wants you to raise them up, and, and let, 
let go of that guilt because that's just from the enemy. That's not from the Lord. Right. And so are there any working moms in the house today? A lot of working moms here. I'm sure you feel that you felt that guilt having to leave your children or, or maybe you're not a working mom. Maybe you're a single mom and you've had to do all those things. Listen, today we want you to hear this. That guilt is not from God. It's from the enemy. It's not, it's not what you should be feeling and struggling with because uh, you're doing everything you can to be a good mom. You're doing everything you can. And in our society today, it was in our generation, in our society, it takes both husband and wife working to make ends meet, especially when you're in the ministry, when you're in college especially. And so we, we graduated college and now I have my big degree, right? And so we're going to go into ministry and everything's going to be perfect now because we're following God. God's going to provide everything and uh, because that's what His Word says. And so we found out that when I graduated college, I had a part-time job in college. I made $28,000 a year at uh, Central Freight Lines. I graduated with my big degree, became a youth pastor, and got paid $15,000. Isn't that a great promotion? Isn't that a great way to get a degree? Woohoo! Yeah. Those of you that are graduating right now, you're going to high school or college, whatever it is, you get that degree, you think, man, this is going to make everything better. It doesn't always. And so now as a mom, you've got even more challenges because I want you to understand the mosaic that all of you have. But she has one position that no other woman in the house has today. She's also married to her pastor. None of you are. She's, uh, we're friends. We're, we're spouses. She's a mom. She, she's a professional career lady. Uh, she's also a pastor's wife in addition to all that. And so once you get into ministry, I'm sure it was just easy going, right, yeah. as a mom? Right. Yeah, it was a piece of cake. <laughs> no, it was more pressure, more guilt. I mean, uh, he was working, trying to build up the youth group. We had small children. I felt like I needed to um, work outside the home so we could you know, live. And then I also wanted to work with him in the ministry. I mean, I wanted to be a part of his ministry and a part of the youth group. And I felt like the youth needed my leadership. And so we were just working so hard, going, going, going. Um, and again, we didn't live around family. So we would have to, I'd have to leave my little baby boy with people in the church, and that we just moved there. Just I mean, met. we, like here, we came, we tried out, they accepted us, we came back, and like two weeks later, we had this thing we had to do with the kids, and I couldn't take Drake or Tiffany, and this lady came to me in the church, and she says, I would love to babysit your kids for you. That was a lot of trust, you know, to just hand them over to someone I didn't even know. But God always promised me, in his word that he will protect them. He will look after them. And no matter how much I love them, he loved them even more. And he was going to take care of them. And I would just pray over my kids all the time. Lord, protect them. Keep them what you want them to be. Help them be what you want them to be. So that was really hard to give them over to people I didn't really know. But they were great people and did a great job taking care of them. But it wasn't the way I thought I was going to raise my kids. And both of my children grew up in the ministry. That's right. um, they grew up with other people being very much involved in their lives, not, not family, but church people. Church people church influenced our kids more 
than our families, blood family did. And so, you know, that's a scary thing sometimes, that um, basically strangers that come into your life have a lot of impact on your kids. But strangers come into your kids' life, and they have a lot of impact on your kids' life. And you just have to trust God that he's going to help them filter through the good things and know what God wants for them in their life. And so I struggled with that a lot. Um, what, about, uh, what about church people watching our kids? Did absolutely. They, did they hold them to a higher standard? They, they did. <laughs> when, when we were had our first pastorate, not youth pastoring, Tiffany was became a teenager and got a job and had a car. And I would know way before Tiffany got home what Tiffany had been doing at, that night. Um, because we would have plenty of people calling and say, oh, I saw Tiffany doing this, or oh, Tiffany was, or did you know Tiffany? And, you know, I just had to guard my heart and not allow Mama Bear to rise up because, yes, I'm a pastor's wife, but I'm a mom, and I love my kids, and I love my honey. You can do anything you want to me, but don't you touch my kids, and don't you touch my honey. And so that was a hard struggle because their kids could be with Tiffany, doing the same thing Tiffany's doing, but yet Tiffany was the one that was not going to be corrected. And so it was kind of hard to, to see my kids go through that, but I tried to impress upon them they need to be who they need to be. They are who God made them to be. And same with your kids. Your kids will have lots of pressures from people of how they want them to be or what they think they should be. And that's, you have to just let your kids be who God wants them to be. God has a plan for your child, just like he had a plan for our kids. And letting go and letting God have that control of their life is the hardest thing. That's the yeah. hardest thing. So any moms ever gotten phone calls from anybody else about what your kids are doing wrong, that you, you're, their kids are perfect? Anybody? Don't raise your hands. Okay. But people, especially in the pastorate, people expect your kids never to do anything wrong. Well, their kids just like your kids are. And so I had, I had stood in the pulpit even a couple of times and going, listen, our kids are the same as yours. They're, they're not just pastors. They're just kids. But still, everybody's like, but they're yours. Yeah. That doesn't make them perfect. That just make them our problem. You, you got your problems. We got ours. And so we'll, we'll all go through this thing together. And so we learned how to, or we tried to. Tried. We tried I don't know that you're ever successful, but we tried to balance all these mosaic pieces of life. Uh, and, and today there's so many complicated ones. And, and like I said, you had all these pieces of being a mom. And so how did you, from your perspective, try to reconcile all these different pieces of your mosaic? Well, I did try to do it all. And I did feel guilty a lot about what I was missing out on. And so I tried to find little ways to touch my kids' life. When we were parenting, when our kids were smaller, this thought process about quality time versus quantity was a big thing when we were raising our kids. And I, I had a hard time wrapping my mind around that because I felt like the more time you can put into your child, the better. But God did lay in my heart to make those times as special as I could and to try to touch them all through their day. And so I began when my kids started school and they took their lunches, 
I would draw them out of a cartoon or a funny picture on a napkin and I'd say a little note and I would put it in their lunch boxes. And I did that all through their school years till they got to high school and didn't want to take their lunch anymore. And you know, I didn't really think it mattered that much, you know, but I wanted to touch them. I wanted them to know at lunch that mom had thought about them, mom was encouraging them, mom loved them. And then when my daughter got married and we were helping her move, um, she was packing up some stuff. And she has several of those napkins that she has saved. And she said, you know, Mom, they meant a lot to me. And the Lord just reaffirmed to me, those were those little times that you reach out and touch your kids that matter the most. It's not the big things that you do for your kids. It's those little day, everyday things that you touch your children is what makes them, import, makes them feel important and helps them become who they are. And I thought back on my childhood, you know, it, it wasn't, I can't even remember anything big my mom bought me, but I have such great memories of my mom and what a great woman she was. And that's what all our kids want, is just someone to love us and to accept us and help us be who God wants us to be. And so that's kind of how I tried to balance it, is by focusing on what I could and letting go of what I can't. And there was so much that you have to let go of. Ladies, you can't do it all. That's I right. couldn't do it all. And you can't accept the guilt of people that want you to do it all. You have to figure out what God wants you to do. You pick the things that you think were important, and then you just do those, and you have to let it go. You have to let go. I never got the calendar on the refrigerator. I never got the menu on the refrigerator. I never met that standard. But I did meet my standard, and I hopefully met God's standard. And you just that's the best that you can do. And you just do the best you can do. Yeah. I think it's important for moms to hear that, that you can't, you don't have to do everything that everybody else expects you to get done. I mean, we, we thought, remember this when you were talking, we, every morning we go, we're going to do daily devotions with our kids every day. No matter what, we're going to have daily devotions before they go to school. And we did. We did. I mean, some mornings we'd open up our daily devotion book and we had our devotions and we read it and we'd pray anything you kids struggling with, anything you want us to pray about. And it was awesome. There were other mornings. More mornings like this. More mornings like this. Oh my goodness, we're running late. Put your shoes on. Put your clothes on. We got to go. We got to go. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Help these kids. Help us today. Don't let us kill each other. Amen. John 3.16. Yes. Can I get a scripture in there? Yes, we. It was crazy devotions. But we determined we're going to put something in our kids' heart every morning. And, um, you know, we had these perceived, but then you have reality. And so, please don't let other people's perceptions force you into guilt over your realities. Because you do the best you can do, and then you place it in God's hands. You know, being married almost 40 years, every relationship has conflict. Everyone. We've had conflicts. No, it's hard to believe. So how do you handle conflicts and being a mom and all that? At least how do we do it? Maybe everybody's different. Everybody is different, and I'm not saying... The way we did it was the right way. It's, it's just, just the way we thing. did it. Yeah. Um, we just felt it was important not to disagree in front of our children and, and argue in front of our kids. Um, so we always had a united front in front of our kids. But if we didn't agree, we would wait until they went to sleep or we'd go get in the car. We'd have a discussion uh, loudly with each other and we would resolve it. But when we came back in, we were always united. 
and because we felt like it was important for our kids to feel safe and to know that mom and dad loved each other. Um, we tried to express our love with each, for each other. I mean, we held hands and we kissed and make them gross and they go, oh, gross. Yeah. Gross your kids up. Absolutely. Um, we tried to make sure we had dinner together every evening and had manners nights so I could teach my kids how to have manners. And we had game night and we tried to focus on having our time together as a family. Um, we believed in disciplining our children. Um, everybody has to work after discipline for their kids the way they need to. Uh, I know when we were raising our kids, timeout was just coming out yeah. um, and uh, grounding them. And we found really quickly that that didn't work for us at all. When we grounded our teenager, it was worse on us because right. we had to drive them around and do everything with them. So we, you, you have to work out what works best for your kid. And what works for one kid won't work for, for the other. I mean, our kids were completely separate in how we disciplined them. But whichever way you feel like you need to discipline your children, the Word tells us to discipline our children. A father that loves his child disciplines them. And so it was important to us to try to make sure our children had discipline in their lives so that they could grow up to be the best person God wants them to be. Yeah, and then we, we put every scripture we tried to in our marriage, Ephesians 5, 24 through 26. Now, a lot of, a lot of couples today don't do this scripture because it can get a little iffy, but we believe this. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So when we had conflict, we resolved it together and, and we were a team. And I realized that God has these things set up for a purpose. Uh, the man is the head of the house, but the man also is a covering for his wife. He washes her, cleanses her by the washing of the word. And so in front of our kids, matter of fact, one of our kids told us later on, we thought that when we got married that there was never to be a conflict because we never saw you and dad have a conflict. So we didn't think we were having a healthy marriage by having, hey, listen, healthy marriages have conflicts. Just how you handle them. It's different, but you have to resolve it together because we're a team. Absolutely. Listen, if your kids can divide you, they will conquer you. So at least you got to bluff them for a little while, isn't it? That's right. That's right. That's right. And so uh, we've had all the stages of our kids so far. Uh, and so how did you balance? Because as they became teenagers, I mean, we wanted to be kind of cool parents. So how do you how do you handle being a, a friend versus still being a parent of a teenager? You can't be your kid's friend. When they're at home, living under your roof, you know, you've heard those words. You can't be your kid's friend. They don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their parent. Uh, somebody's got to be the grown-up in the situation, and that's what we decided. Yeah. Uh, we said, you know, there were times, I know it's hard to believe, when our kids said, oh, I, I hate you, I can't stand you. And I'd say, well, I still love you. One day, you will know what it's like to have a child. And I, I said, I pray God gives you one just like you. And he did. I did. I pray God gives you one just like you. And he did. He did. But, uh, you know, we just uh, felt like that, that was our responsibility. We're the parents. God entrusted these, these little people into our lives. And it's our responsibility to shape them and mold them and help them to be the best God wants them to be. So we weren't their friends. We waited till they got to be grown and married and 
now I think we're their friends. We, we get along okay. But uh, you can't, it's hard to be your child's friend and be their disciplinarian because they are going to hate you. Yeah. It's what, what was hard was all the kids in the church. They loved us. They thought we were the coolest parents ever. And our kids did not. So if you're a parent today and your kids hate you and they're teenagers, good job. You're right on target. That's what they're supposed to do. It's part of that uh, separation, I believe, of beginning to get ready for that empty nest. And, and then one day we had an empty nest. We did. And, and uh, how did you balance that? Because another piece of the mosaic fits in that empty nest thing. Well, you know, everyone's... Well, I, I, let me back up. We decided when our children were small, even though we were busy and in the ministry and I was working full time, that we would still focus on each other. We would make time for one another. We would write it in our calendars. I mean, I lived, back then we had day planners. I don't know, you remember the old ages when we did had everything paper? Palm pilots. Had a big paper day planner. Uh, and I would actually write in Dwayne, you know, when I, we were gonna have time together. And because people plan everything in their life, but they don't plan for that. That's right. You think about your life, you, you schedule everything. When you're going to go to work, when you're going to get off work, when you're going to take the kids to the ball games, when you're going to go to church. But you've got to plan time for each other. That's right. And so we did that early That's on right. in our marriage. Not saying we went out every week, we didn't necessarily go anywhere or spend any money. But we would just set aside an hour or two hours, and we would just spend that time together. And we would focus on each other and not what was going on. We didn't talk about church. We didn't talk about the kids. We just talked about each other or what we wanted to talk about. And so I think that helped us when we got to the emptiness syndrome because everybody was saying, oh, you're going to be miserable. And, and I, did, I did miss when my children moved out. But I got to admit, it was pretty great. Party. It was pretty great. It was. We enjoy our time together. I mean, you're free to make your own plans. I mean, we weren't free to make our own plans for 20 years. I mean, everything revolved around our kids and what their plans were and what their schedule was. So it was pretty great. It's pretty great. It is great. We are enjoying this time. This part is worth all that trouble to get to. It, it's worth it. And the grandkids are really worth it. Oh, yeah. Grandkids make not killing your teenagers worth it. <laughs> Any grandparents in the house today? You agree with us, right? Come on, you agree with us. Clap your hands. Yeah. If you're looking at my socks today, my granddaughter picks out my socks for me on Sunday mornings. Usually my tie, too, but I, I called it on my tie today, but she picked out my socks because uh, she, wants, she wants Poppy to look handsome. That's what she wants. And grandkids are awesome. So, Kind of wrapping this up, moms today are facing entirely different challenges. We did not have Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. Uh, we did not have all of that when we were parents, uh, social media, all those things. So how do moms today need to look at facing a lot of these social media issues? I think you have to have control of what your kids are looking at. You need to know what your kids are looking at. You should be able to take your child's appliance or utensil or whatever it is they have, phone, iPad, whatever it is, anytime and look at it and be able to see what the, you need to be smarter than your kids. I know they don't think that, but you do. You have to know what's out there today. You need to research the apps that they can hide on their phones. You need to know what 
kids can get into. Because believe it or not, no matter how great your kids are, the enemy is going to put that in their life. He's going to give them that opportunity to have that temptation. And it can steal your children. It can steal your children. And you won't even know it. Um, you have to pray over your kids every day. That's a powerful tool, people. You don't understand the power of prayer and how it releases God's protected coverage over your children. I remember my mom, I have 11 brothers and one sister, and long story can't get into, but they quit serving the Lord. And when my mother was very ill and, and dying from cancer, she was crying and she'd say to me, who's going to pray for my kids? Who's going to pray for my kids? And I said, Mom, I'll always pray for them. I'll always pray for them. And she died not seeing her children come back to the Lord. But I want you to t I want to tell you, except for one, they all came back to the Lord. And I know it was my mom's prayers and my prayers. You just keep praying over your kids. His word promises us that if we bring up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. And you just hold on to that. And your kids may go stupid. Ours did. It happens. But they get their brains back. It happens. They come back. But you just got to keep holding on. You keep praying for them and living the life before them. Be involved in their lives. They won't want you to be. They'll push you out. They'll try really hard to push you out. You just keep fighting to be in their life. You take control and say, I am your parent. And I will know what you're I will look at what you're seeing. And they won't like you right then, I promise. But they'll appreciate it later. They will appreciate it later. I promise you, as stupid as I was when my kids were teenagers, I am so smart now. They think I am a genius. And it happens through time. You just got to hold on and wait for it. Yeah. There's all these seasons that you go through uh, being parents. And we feel like we go through a lot of those. Uh, because we are now older, we've seen our kids grow up and go through all those stages, leave home, get married, uh, find wonderful spouses, uh, we've got grandchildren and, and all those things. And so after 40 years of marriage and going through all those stages today, what do you kind of need moms to kind of to leave with here today and to kind of hold on to and say, this is something that, you know, I, I mean, I do experience the guilt. I thank God for all the wonderful joys of motherhood and the hard times too. But what's something you kind of wanted to hold on to today when they leave? Just, if you can't teach your children anything, this is the one thing, and my kids will tell you that I've always told them, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and everything else, everything else will work out just fine. I've told them that a bazillion times. And if you can get your kids to understand that, if they can just love God with all their hearts, minds, and souls, all this other stuff will fall into place. All this stuff that we worry about and feel guilty about. And moms, I, I want you to know, don't buy into this guilt. Don't let the enemy make you feel guilty about anything. God doesn't bring us guilt. His word says, therefore, is no condemnation in him. You love your children. He loves them way more than you do. He wants the best for them. And just keep reminding yourself of that, that no matter how much I love my kids, God loves them more. And he's got great plans for them. And you just got to let them be who God wants them to be. They're not always going to be what you think they're going to be. But they're going to be what God wants them to be. 
And if they can do that, they'll be happy the rest of their lives. That's right. The perceptions versus reality is one of the big things that, that we've tried to been put into your hearts today because we all have these perceptions from growing up until we're older of how life is going to be. And then you have the reality of what really has happened. And there are some of you ladies here today, your moms, some of you are ladies here today and you've always wanted to be a mom and that's not part of God's plan for your life. You've not been able to have children. Others have lost children. Uh, it gets very complicated. It gets very emotional. And you feel all types of emotions and guilt. And then there are mothers here today to where, you know, you raised your kids in church and right now they're not in church. And you feel like you failed them somehow or you didn't. It just we've got to understand that we've got to let God's process. And as a mom, you've just got to keep holding on to God, keep praying for them and loving them. And God will in his time work, begin to work things out. And he'll heal your hearts. He had to heal her heart because I'm telling you, there, there were times, I remember when we first became pastors, she could not get a job in the bank. And she had to get a job working in the local school cafeteria. And she was the bread lady. She made the rolls, okay? So there's times where you got to do whatever you got to do to make ends meet, right? So we were starting a church. She was working in the cafeteria. I remember we went to a football game on Friday night in Texas. And, and several people had gathered around us, people in the community. They said, what are you doing? Well, we just started a church. And it was very exciting. People were talking about it. And then one of the ladies asked my wife, and what do you do? And my wife said, oh, I'm the bread lady at the cafeteria. And you should have seen those ladies. They said, oh. And they turned their backs and they left. Listen, moms, ladies, you need each other. She, one of the things she told me, she hasn't even mentioned it today, one of the things that she's always envied her whole life is stay-at-home moms. Yep. Do you know how much a stay-at-home mom is worth today? $195,000 a year is what a stay-at-home mom salary is. And so if you're here today and you're blessed to be a stay-at-home mom, thank God for that. Amen. Don't ever lower your head and go, what, what do you do? Oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. No, you're a stay-at-home mom. You get the privilege of doing that. Uh, somebody that lays looking at, well, don't you have more motivation or drive? Or aren't you smart enough to get a job? No, I'm smart enough. I have a privilege enough, support enough to stay at home. Uh, we want you to stand with us today. We love moms and, and the, the mosaic of your life. You know, all of this puts together, forms something beautiful. And we're here today to honor moms. And, and we don't want to take but just a minute or two longer. But we want to do this for you. We want to pray for you and over you. It's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.